It's so uh, good to be uh, with you this morning and to get to know some of you yesterday. And uh, I really love uh, being here. And you brought the sun out for us as well. (laughs) So when I go back to Harlow, I'm going to say it's always sunny on the Isle of Wight. And uh, I certainly used to uh, come here as a child, uh, like most people did on holidays. Uh, My dad used to work for British Rail. And, uh, of course, at that time, the ferry was also linked to British Rail. And he got, we got free ferry travel. Wouldn't that be great, eh? And uh, so we used to come to the island on, on holiday. And I think my last time I, my dad was here, he was a project manager for the Smallbrook Junction Railway. Who likes the steam railway? That connecting station, my dad opened that with, I don't know who it was. The, do you have a mayor or something? Or something important? King, Queen of Isle of Wight. Anyway, he was there, he opened that, um, but I haven't been here for about 35 years and it's, uh, it's great to be back on this island again. Uh, as uh, I've already been said, I'm from Hull, uh, you probably realise that I'm not, but I live there. I'm from Brighton originally, but all is how we pronounce it where I live. We don't have the H and uh, Joe and I have been there 14 years ago as we planted a church from Middlesbrough into Hull. We moved with 13 adults to establish a church there. And uh, the reason we moved to that place, I was watching a television program, the worst places to live in the United Kingdom. And it's the second worst place to live was Middlesbrough, (laughs) which is where I was living. And it said the worst place to live in the United Kingdom is Hull. And uh, as I, we watched that program on holiday, I felt God speak to me. So that's where Jesus would go. He always goes to places of bad reputation. And, uh, and we've loved that city. And it's not a city that people visit. It's not on the way to anywhere. You have to deliberately go there. But it's been great over the years to see what God has even done, and not just in what he's doing in his church, but transforming our city. Of course, we became city of culture uh, in 2008. And uh, it was just wonderful uh, to see the change in, not 2008, 2017, it's a long time ago, 2017, and to see the transformation and just the aspiration begin to lift of our city and people's expectation of our city. So I do encourage you, why don't you go to Hull on a little weekend break, have a go. You might not find the sun, but you find lots of culture. And uh, so we bought a building uh, in the city centre uh, just a few years ago, a big old Methodist central hall. And a huge facility. We've got a big sort of 600-seater auditorium. And we've got a three-bed flat. And we've got another 200-seater hall and loads of other rooms and stuff. And it's from that facility that God has really begun to help us. We have about 250 gathering uh, on a Sunday morning with a wide range of backgrounds. People queue up for our church to open at quarter to ten. We have tea and cake. So we have about 20 to 30 homeless Street homeless come to our church on a Sunday. Uh, some of them just come for the cake. Some of them stay for the service. Some of them are members of our church. And it's great to be part of, so different, looking across here. In my church, we've got 30 different nations. And uh, last week, we, were, we sang in four different languages. We translate in our services in Russian and Polish and French. And uh, sometimes Swahili. We sing in Zulu. We it's very different culture, but God is doing something 
with us. And from our building that God's given us, we run a daytime college called Jubilee Life College where we really support people who have a very low level of education but try and build confidence and try and give some aspiration to people. So we run all sorts of courses from cooking on a budget to I think this term we're doing a choir. We've done teaching the guitar. We do like a sports group. We also have a lot of support for mental health. Uh, Mental health, I think, is one of the biggest issues facing us in this nation and in the church as we God teaches us and helps us to help those, particularly with anxiety and depression, but all sorts of needs. Um, We have a recovery program for addiction, particularly those with heroin addiction and alcohol addiction, but any sort of addiction. And as a result of that, we've also got two rehab houses where we take people through a program. Uh, people normally turn up at the church. I, I was walking along cows yesterday and I was loving it and I got this phone call. And it's a typical phone call I got that somebody had turned up at the church to ask for Steve because he would help you. And that tends to be what happens, not just me that helps. But probation, people come out of prison. If they can't be helped, they kind of get sent to Jubilee and we try and coordinate and see what we can do. The Big Issue magazine, we run that from our base in Hull. We have showers and laundry, so people come in for a shower uh, or laundry facilities, and we also run uh, a food bank from where we're at. And then we do the normal things that churches do, you know. (laughs) We pray, run the Alpha Course, prayer meetings. Then three years ago, we planted a church on the east of our city, and we're currently uh, planting a new church on the north of the city, what we've realised, if we're going to reach our city, people aren't going to come to us, we've got to go to them. And God's been really good to us. He's given us an incredible facility up in North Hull, which is one of the most deprived estates in the United Kingdom. Um, it's often the one that's always on the front of the newspaper where you know, the buses have refused to go that night. Taxi drivers, takeaway drivers won't deliver to certain addresses on that estate. Believe me, it's not as bad as some places in the country. I would walk through there quite safely. Um, but God has given us, the, there's a surgery there, a big GP surgery that was built a few years ago that had a community venue which wasn't being used. So I went to the council and said, I'd like to use that venue, but I don't want to pay for it because <laughs> um, I haven't got any money. And they said, well, they worked out, said, well, you're going to have to pay for it because it's a, this department of the council. So we've paid the, the service charge, we're not paying rent for the year, and those councillors that I sat with then gave me the money to pay for it. So it's gone from one part of the council to another, which is typical administration. It's all the same money, but it's a different department. And uh, we've got a, a young couple, Josh and Jen, who trained with us as interns, who are now helping to pioneer that work. And we've already started. We've got a craft group up there as part of our life college, running our mental health support up there. We started a toddler group. And so things are beginning to move on. And then in 2020, we're opening a school in the city centre, our building, for children who are at risk of exclusion. Because one of the things we've recognised is God has led us step by step in the journey that God's called us to reach and to love. That you see, you, each, you hit one problem and there's a multitude of issues. It's not just one thing. It might be mental health, but it might be there's also an addiction. There might be abuse in the background. You know, there's all kinds of things that people in des- desperate need are tied up in. And what we've realised is that the addiction that we work with at this end and the, the offenders that are sent to us uh, straight out of prison for us to support, many of them 
have found education being difficult and exclusion from school often is a trajectory, unfortunately, into crime, into addiction and into prison. So we thought, let's intervene a bit earlier. Let's get them when they're 11, 12, 13 years of age. Let's transform their lives at that point so that they have a better future and ultimately want them to come to know Jesus. So we're opening up that school uh, just for 10 pupils uh, in, in January. So it's great fun being in my church. It's not, it's not quiet. You know, when I turn up to church, the first thing I, we normally do is clear the poo up from the car park. And they're sick, and we, we wash everything down because we have people staying overnight on our grounds as well. And we have the nightclubbers in the city centre that also like to use it as a facility. And, uh, but it's fun, and we love it. But it's, it's not without its difficulties. A few years ago, I had a, quite a dramatic experience in the church which left me with symptoms of post-traumatic stress. We had a senior leader die, leaving a widow and two sons. And the year before that, you know, somebody committed suicide in our church, leaving his wife and teenage son. So it's been quite painful as well. I've done more funerals and cremations than weddings of people that we've loved and known and worked with. But, but despite all that's happened in whole, we're determined to continue to have greater impact as individuals and as a community into our city region and beyond. Matthew eleven twelve says this, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advanced and the strong take it by force. The kingdom of God was Jesus' favourite message and his central theme. He actually mentions it 82 times in the Gospels. What is God's kingdom? It says God's people in every area of our lives, we're called to bring in his kingdom. That means his rule, his reign to the people around us, the culture he has placed us in. Apex Church, along with other churches on this island, we are called to bring God's kingdom here on earth. And there's one story, one parable, a picture that Jesus spoke of when he spoke about this kingdom of God. And that's what I want to look at this morning. It's the parable of the mustard seed. Just a few verses. I'm going to read the version that's in Matthew 13. And it's in verses 31 and 32. And this is what it says. Jesus told them another parable, another little story, picture. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. If we look at this picture now that's coming up on the screen, now Mark's not allowed to answer because he was a landscape up. No, you, Jackie, because you know a lot about plants. Does anybody know what plant this is? Anybody want to guess? Sorry? Russian vine, no? A Japanese delicacy. Very good. Japanese knotweed. Japanese knotweed. Do you know it's the most invasive plant in Britain? I love giving statistics about the Isle of Wight. You know when you Google things, you can find out things. Do you know the Isle of Wight has the worst knotweed infestation in the southeast? Anybody had knotweed in their garden or in their neighbour's garden? Or go home and have a look, okay? Go and check. The plant actually came from Japan. And it was the Victorians, of course, that brought it. It thrives on disturbed ground. It was introduced in the 19th century. And it was meant to be an ornamental plant. 
and used as a feed crop for cattle. And what began to, they began to realise is this knotweed has extensive roots and it begins to grow at a very fast pace. In fact, it can grow more than nine feet in ten weeks. Okay? And it can penetrate concrete, damage foundations and drains. Its shoots grow up through tarmac and breaks it into pieces. But it can just be a tiny shoot that is left. My parents have just moved to Shoreham by Sea, very nice, very posh. And they bought a house, and the reason they bought that house at reduced price was they had Japanese knotweed in the garden. Now, my dad looked up on the internet, how do you deal with knotweed? Okay, how do you deal with it? Read up all sorts of things, and it's like a few years treatment plan. But as my dad got into it and talked to experts, in the end, do you know what they did? They dug up the whole of the back garden. £25,000 later, they are free of knotweed. Because what they had to do is bring a digger in and literally clear all the earth out at such a depth. had to be taken off, treated, burned. Because even if a tiny stem is left like that, it can grow again. It's the Japanese knotweed. Why am I telling you about this knotweed? What it's got to do with these verses that we've just read? Well, a parable is a word picture. And it uses an image or story to tell a story. And here we read about the mustard seed. And Matthew placed the story of mustard seed in the middle of a story about gardening in which Jesus commands the people to let the weeds and the wheat grow together. Then he tells the listeners that the kingdom of God is like a mustard tree. This mustard was an invasive and aggressive annual weedy plant that was actually a pain to the Hebrew gardener, those who were listening, and was as annoying as knotweed. Gardeners and farmers did not plant mustard seed, and they certainly didn't plant it in their fields, because it attracts bugs, bacteria, and birds that they did not want. Because if you plant in your field, you don't want birds, because what do birds do to the seed? They eat it. In fact, Jewish law forbade it to be planted in a garden. So here we are, Jesus talking to a Jewish audience. Can you imagine the thinking and gossiping that's going on? Here's Jesus talking about planting a mustard seed. Again, of course, Jesus loves to uh, offend the religious mindset. There's three things I want to draw out from this picture story about how God's kingdom is like this mustard seed. The first thing is this. The the kingdom grows. This mustard seed that grows into a tree shows us how God's kingdom expands and grows all over the world. And one aspect of that kingdom, and God uses his kingdom, is through his people, through his church. And of course we know that. Jesus with 12 disciples, something we read of 72. Then we read in Acts, 120 in the upper room, praying. And then 3,000 people get saved in a day. As God brings his kingdom, as Jesus brings the kingdom, growth begins to happen. Then we read in Acts 4, verse 4. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. Growth after growth after growth. And of course, today we know billions of people have been affected by this kingdom coming. 
And as a family together of regions beyond, we have a part to play in that growing expansion of the kingdom. Not just here, in my life, in Hull, in the Isle of Wight, but across the nations, particularly into new places, new nations, people who have never heard the gospel. Did you know within our region's family of churches at the moment, we're planting a new church every two weeks on average? That we're part of that. Some of those places we can't speak about, we can't pull on the website because they're dangerous places. But God's kingdom is growing. You know, they're in, in Lesotho, in Samami. They will see somebody will die in a village, the church will bury them. People will come from the other villages to the funeral. The gospel will be preached, people will get saved from another village over that way. They then become the new church in that village. They raise up a leader. Goes from village to village to village. God is at work. His kingdom is growing. And we're called to pray. We're called to give finance. We're called to go to the ends of this island and to the ends of the earth with this gospel. You know, I get sick of people. I I have this in Hull. When I came to Hull, people said, oh, it's such a hard place to reach. You'll never build a big church here. You never have impact here. People have come and gone. It's a pastor's graveyard. That's what I was called about Hull. That's from Christians, by the way. But no, what I see is a kingdom. Yes, there is pressure. There sure are difficulties. Yes, there are many mountains to face. But his kingdom is a growing kingdom. And I wonder sometimes if people don't really understand this parable. See, Jesus said this. He said, this mustard seed, which is such a small seed, would grow into a tree. If you're a horticulturalist, let me tell you this. The mustard seed doesn't grow into a tree. Do you think Jesus was stupid? Did he not know about the natural world? Everybody's thinking, oh my goodness, what's Steve going to say? (laughs) You're looking at me. Was was Jesus stupid? No. No. Did Jesus know what the natural world was like? Was he the creator of the world? Was he in the beginning? He was the word in the beginning. He created all things through him. created all things. But what is Jesus saying here? See, with God, what is natural, suddenly God can do something supernatural with. This mustard seed doesn't just grow into a shrub. It can grow into a tree because God is involved. And there's things in our lives, there's things in our community, there's nations, there's places where people say, you can't grow anything there. Reminds me a bit of the prophecy about the lemon tree. Hey, if you're new to this church or a visitor, you can go on the website and read this prophetic word that came about how unusual it is on the Isle of Wight that's lemon tree growing in Osborne House. And I've seen in Mark's garden he's trying to grow a lemon tree. Trying. Trying. It's not gone lemon yet. It looks... Green. But isn't that great? But you see, in God's kingdom, things are so different. In the supernatural, God can do much more than we ask or imagine. See, Jesus called it a tree. Did he get it wrong? No. It's not normal. But this seed of the kingdom can grow into a tree. So we're not part of a normal kingdom. We have a king who is the king of kings. We have a farmer that is the creator of the universe. We have Jesus as head of the church, this church, It's not normal. It can grow from 120 to 3,000 in a day. And there can be greater impact on this island. And we can see God's people and his church grow with greater impact here. 
The kingdom is growing. It cannot be stopped. It's like a knotweed. It will suddenly appear from nowhere. It will affect foundations. It will break out in all kinds of places. See, like weeds, weeds appear out of concrete. Suddenly, we see God's kingdom pop up here. God's kingdom, but suddenly God does something over there. Somebody in your family suddenly is open to the gospel for the first time. Somebody in your workplace asks you a question, why are you so different? That's the kingdom as God is breaking in. We had a guy in our church, Adam. Adam uh, had a drug addiction. And we supported him, helped him through our rehab program. And sometimes we need to move people out of Hull. So we have a partnership with another rehab in another part of the country. And we send him here. And God has done incredible work in his life. In fact, he got married just a few weeks ago. It's a long story, what God has done. But when he came back into Hull, he saw an old friend from nightclubbing and all sorts of days called Jay. And Jay had a cannabis addiction. She knew she couldn't deal without her cannabis every day. And Adam shared with her about how Jesus can set you free of addiction. And she said, and talked to her about the gospel. And Jay said, well, I believe that Jesus died for me. He said, right, you're now a Christian. You're now set free of cannabis addiction. It doesn't happen often. Straight away, she's set free. And she comes to Jubilee Church and is there worshipping God. Such a beautiful young woman. She's working in the off-license Gemma comes into the off-license every day to get a drink. She also has an addiction. And Jay shares with Gemma what God has done for her. And God has set her free of also a, a cannabis addiction. So what does Gemma do? She comes to church. Gemma's from quite a tough background. The preacher touches on this issue in her life. And I'm thinking she's going to walk out of church. Because we've tackled a very cultural issue that was very cultural for her. And she does walk out of church. She's angry what's being said about relationships and about sexuality. But you know, she comes back in. She gets saved. Powerfully. So we've had Adam. <laughs> Kingdom breaks in. Just a small mustard seed. Jay. Gemma. Our alpha course. Jay brings all her family to it. And a friend of mine said they were driving along in there. They were walking along the road and talking to a friend about the possibility of going on an alpha course, sharing the gospel with her. As she goes past, she's one of the streets in the hull. The window opens. There's Jay in the passenger seat of the car. And she waves at Jen and says, Jen, my mum's just got saved. (laughs) So we now have a mum who's come to salvation. See, a group that we never would have reached with the gospel, suddenly the kingdom breaks in. Suddenly this whole, very whole family are beginning to be touched with the gospel. We're praying for the rest of the family now. So the kingdom grows. Secondly this, the kingdom is powerful. See, in the days of the Roman Empire, mustard was a sign of power because of its fiery, fiery spicy flavour. Whoever uses mustard seed in their cooking, anybody? Yeah. Some of the Indians, definitely. Well, there was Darius. He was king of the Persians. He invaded Europe. And as he came into Europe, he was met by Alexander the Great, another great warrior. And Darius sent Alexander a bag of sesame seeds as a taunt, indicating this is the number of soldiers I have. 
Because it was all very pictorial. You know, they didn't just put something nasty on Facebook. You know, they, they sent an image. Here's all the, this is all the soldiers. I am going to defeat you. And this is what Alexander did. He sent back a bag of mustard seed with this message. You may be many, but we are powerful. We can handle you. And they did. They won that victory. See, Jesus is illustrating with this mustard seed, actually, that his kingdom is not just about power that crushes, but being crushed. See, you release the power of the mustard seed as it is crushed. It releases the flavour. And the kingdom is not about power that crushes, that manipulates, that pushes down, but is crushed. Jesus triumphed over his enemies, not by taking up the sword, but having the sword thrust in his side. See, mustard must be crushed, ground, broken in order for its power to be released. In John 12, 24, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Do you know, if you know Jesus today, you're part of an upside-down kingdom. See, we celebrate a King Jesus whose body was torn apart and blood spilt out. And as Christians to be effective, we don't always have to push ourselves forward, shout the loudest or make the biggest fuss. Instead, we serve. In humility, we put others first. And that's how we advance the power of God's kingdom. And I know there's people here today. You face major challenges and pressures in your life. Faced disappointments. You have felt crushed. Maybe you've even come to this island to get away from it. Almost fled to the island. Or hidden yourself away. You were once doing stuff for God, but you've now felt so crushed and disappointed. You've been through real challenges and trials. However, if we allow God in the crushing, then he will release greater power through us. See, the greatest people I know, the people that I most admire, are the ones who have been crushed, who have felt very broken, who felt, I've got nothing to give. And they've allowed God's power to use that crushing to bring out fire and flavour. And there's people here today and you have just sat there and God's saying, yes, you've been crushed. But let me release the power through you. Because God has plans and purposes for your life. For what he's called you to do. Some of us are in our workplaces and we feel so isolated. We feel I'm the only Christian Maybe you're the only Christian in your family. Maybe you're the only one to say something about injustice. Maybe you're the only one in the office that doesn't join in the gossip. Or when you go out with friends, you don't get drunk. You may feel you don't have the words to explain what Jesus can do in their lives. Maybe your organisation at times feels corrupt and you feel you can't make a difference. Well, you know this. The Bible says the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is is within you. And you might feel like that mustard seed, small, insignificant. However, if you are like that mustard seed, you are actually powerful, you are strong. The kingdom will advance and grow through you as you seek God. See, as a Christian, you are powerful. You can have influence. You can bring about change. Turn to your neighbour and say, you are powerful.
Some of you are really upset because you turn to the different neighbour. Turn to the other neighbour. Tell them the same thing. Tell them you are powerful. You have the power of the mustard seed. You have influence. You can bring a difference. And as a community together at Apex, how much more can the fire and flavour affect this island and the communities around us? What flavour can we bring to the Isle of Wight and to the nations? So the kingdom is growing. The kingdom is powerful. And lastly, I want to say this. The kingdom is for those in need. And that's what most excites me about this parable. Jesus said, in this tree, the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. See, the farmers don't want birds in their seeds. In the UK, that's why we have scarecrows. We have scarecrows, don't we? What do scarecrows do? They look a bit scary. Ashley, look scary. You didn't have to try very hard, thank you. What do scarecrows meant to do? They're to scare away the birds. Are you scared? I would be. I'm scared. We have scarecrows. Scarecrows to scare away the birds. Now, of course, in modern days, we have big song booms that kind of try to distract the birds. But here Jesus is saying something really crazy. That we plant the mustard seed in the field. We attract the birds. Because our father is this farmer, our God. And he plants seed for the birds. And the word Jesus uses for birds is the word fowls. Fowls weren't the majestic, beautiful birds. But the birds that were detested in the culture. They were the ones that ate the animal carcasses. They were the ones people think, oh, look at that bird, it's disgusting. It's just eating the flesh. What is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying this tree that he's building, that he's planting, is for the lost. It's for those without shelter and hope. It's for the frustrated and despairing. It's for the despised and the outcast. It's for the poor. One of the prophetic words that came about that that tree, the lemon tree, it says this. This church will be categorized by life and the needy and the desperate will find health and freedom under your shade. Under your shade. That's what the tree is about. That's what God's kingdom is. The kingdom of God will touch the richest in this island. Praise God. And we need to reach it because they're in such need. But actually it will reach the poorest of the poor. The least of the least. The most desperate of the desperate. And we're called to be a church here at Apex. That is a shelter. That plants trees. On hearing this, Jesus said to them in Mark 2, 17, It's not the healthy need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You know, I've been so encouraged already this weekend, Joe and I, as we've heard of people in this church that are living out this in their everyday lives, that are serving people in need. And that is so effective. And as a church, you are serving some of the most vulnerable in our communities. You're serving the community in roles that you have, the occupations you have chosen, GPs working for local and national charities, working in schools, healthcare, food bank. You are a powerful mustard seed and your love and compassion has effect. And in our daily lives and the church, we need to be those that welcome the foals, that bring shelter. Because you know you can be, and I've been in these churches, where 
it can feel like the church is a bit of a scarecrow. There's a church in Hull that I heard of. And one of the pastors there stands at the door like a scarecrow. Somebody comes in. <coughs> can smell alcohol. You're not welcome in today. It's a scarecrow. It's a scarecrow. But our churches can be scarecrows. You know the person that comes in that's not like us. Ugh! You might not try to make Jesus loves you, but we're pretty scary. We can see straight away the people, that person that doesn't dress like us, the person that maybe smells a bit different from us, putting on events that people always have to pay for that have no finance. Scarecrow. Preaching sermons that are so complicated that those who don't have a university degree don't understand. Scarecrow. Churches where the person at the door looks you up and down as you walk in, communicate, we don't usually have your sort here. Churches can have all sorts of scarecrows, and we can have our own attitudes in our hearts. Or maybe there's only certain people you invite into your home. It's often a test. Think about in the last six months who you've invited into your home. Now, some of us might not be able to invite people into home for all sorts of reasons. But are they always people like you or people different than you? Or they're people that share your love of wine. Good question sometimes to ask ourselves. I was so pleased when I heard that you're, this is juice, not wine. Do you know why? Because they're recovering alcoholics in our communities. That wine is a temptation. But we can put scarecrows up and we just have wine because that's a biblical thing to do. And I should have wine in church. Because that's what I should have. No, we put our attitudes down for the needs of others. We're called instead to plant trees, to have welcome and embrace. We have to do something. Let me finish with this story. See, when we started Jubilee a few years ago, we met on a council estate. That's where we started, not far from the city centre. And the estate had a poor reputation, need of regeneration. We didn't actually advertise that we were meeting when we first started at a church because we didn't want loads of Christians to come because we wanted to reach the community. But about a month in, two beautiful ladies came into our church, two Nigerian women, and I love Africans and I love Nigerians. And this big Nigerian woman came into the church and she was nodding during the sermon and I thought, well, this is good, I'm going to have an international church. And then she came up to me at the end. And she said, PASTA! <laughs> and I was like, uh-huh. PASTA! There are too many people smoking outside the front of your church. <laughs> and I stepped back. I thought, what am I going to say to this lady? I said, sister, there's not enough people smoking outside the front of my church. <laughs> See, what was I saying? Was I saying I love smoking? I think addiction's a good thing. Absolutely not. I'm trying to help people out of addiction. But what I was saying this, and what she was saying, it was a religious scarecrow that says, to be into church, you've got to behave and look in a certain way. No, we plant a tree for the poor, the lost, the lonely, the broken, the desperate, the despairing, those on the edge. And we say, you, we embrace you, you're welcome. So I said, oh, I know a couple of churches you can go to. She never came back again. That's what we're called to do. 
Because we've called to reach the sick, those who are lost, those who are broken. Some of those, they're the most broken in our society. Why don't we just stand up together? Do you know, when I hear of Apex in the future, I want to hear about how nice you are, how welcoming you are, the impact you're making. What a wonderful, lively church to come to on the island. But this church is to be known the church of shelter. This prophetic word coming into purposes and being. A church for the broken, a place of protection, a place of shade. The place where broken pieces, many of us have been broken, make an incredible, colourful, diverse picture. God is calling us to reach the poorest, those in most need in this island. What is God calling you to do? Because his kingdom is growing. His kingdom is powerful. And his kingdom is for those in need. Let's just reach out to God right now. Maybe God has been challenging you. Maybe just wants to lift your vision a bit to see that you are significant where God has placed you. Maybe you do feel like you're one of those outcasts. You feel on the outside. And God says to you, you are so welcome. This is what the kingdom of God is for. The Bible says he lifts the needy from the ashes and he seats them with the princes. You don't stay in the ash heap. You get seated in a place of dignity and honour. And for some of us, God just wants to give us greater compassion and love. As we hear maybe some stories and we think about, I'm not sure I want to go to a church like Steve's. Sometimes I don't want to go to my church, you know. But, God wants to challenge our attitude. God wants to give us greater compassion. Some of us are already moving and we're in the place of your heart breaks for people. You know, I was talking to somebody yesterday and they said the need was next door in an elderly, isolated neighbour who just needed help and support because she didn't have family around. We've all got neighbours who are lonely and isolated. Don't always consider it's the dirty homeless person on the street because I haven't seen... Any of those yet on the Isle of Wight. I'm sure they're somewhere. But God is calling us to the broken, the isolated, the lonely. That could be the older person next door. It could be the addict. It could be the alcoholic who's behind that gated community. Just allow God. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. We welcome your presence. We thank you, Lord, that you want to equip us and fill us with your power. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, we've spoken about this Jesus who was broken, who was crushed for us, that we might have life, that we might come into the shelter of his kingdom. As we break bread together, as we drink the juice, we remind ourselves of what Christ has done. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't actually know Jesus in a personal way. You don't know him. You have never received that forgiveness for your wrongdoing. You've never received the life that Jesus had. And there's been question raised this morning. Maybe even this morning, you might want to say, I want to know this Jesus for myself. Then please speak to somebody who's brought you. Speak to somebody from the church and ask them that they can talk to you about Jesus.